On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcasts platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Have you enough there to get you through the three games to to have have matches that you're only going to have maybe sort of eight or nine performers, you know, giving you eight or nine out of ten, and so to be able to slot players in to bring it up to the level. That's where you know it, it, it plays out, and uh, as I say, that's where these teams can struggle. But you listen, that's that they'll not worry about that. Everyone's just looking at the next game, as they say, and uh, everyone, and that's the great thing about this weekend. Everyone will think every team would think that they're going into the weekend now that they can win the game. We wanted Jeopardy in the football championship and we have certainly received it. Mayo dumped Connacht rivals Galway out of the All-Ireland race in dramatic fashion in Salt Hill yesterday while this morning's quarter-final draw threw up two heavyweight clashes with Dublin taking on Kevin McSay's side while Kerry and Tyrone will go head-to-head once again. As well as that, Cork and Monaghan advanced to the last eight after dramatic one-point wins to set us up for a thrilling two days of football this coming weekend in Croke Park. All that means we have plenty to discuss on today's episode of the Throwing Football Show. Will Slattery here with you. I'm delighted to be joined by Dick Clerken and Colm Keyes for our chat. And Dick will dig into the matches in more detail in a minute. But first, the draw today. You know, we, we couldn't have asked for a more mouth-watering selection of games. Obviously, the two big matches I referred to, but also Monaghan Armagh, Cork Derry as well. What did you make of it all? Ah, uh, yeah. Listen, between the last two weekends and what's coming ahead of us now in the next six days, I think probably all our doomsday predictions around the new formats are in the bin now and <laughs> Croke Park is, is is rubbing their hands proving to Mrs. Wright because it's been electric I, and, and and you know you're just so getting over what happened at the weekend and the weekend before the next thing you're heading into these clashes and each each in their own have their own sort of intrigue and there's there's backstories there's history it's, it's not random parents that there's maybe that they're novel there's there, there's plenty there uh in each of them to, to get around and uh listen it's, it's great i'm just raging I'm, I'm getting on a plane to italy in the morning i'm going to miss them all and uh as they'll have to try and find a way to to dial into them but uh listen i think they're just fantastic and as uh, each in their own there's a there's a show to, to to cut into each of them never mind trying to look up for them well you know yeah having a draw on monday morning at half eight on the radio isn't the most traditional way to reveal your marquee pairings, but there's something about it that kind of, you know, you digest it on the Sunday and you're up early in the morning, Monday morning and to see, see what, what's going to unfold. I know the only problem is like, I'm sure Colin's the same. It, it, it sort of makes a, 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 a journalist or a writer's life a bit of a misery because you write a column on a Sunday evening and it's almost uh, <laughs> defunct by the time you come to Monday morning if you haven't taken into account the, uh, the draws. That's all everyone's talking about now. It's almost the weekend's nearly forgotten about. We, we, I know we'll talk about the games, but everyone's immediately looking at head to next weekend and, and, and sort of wetting their lips I think uh, 
that's probably one of the real. A lot of people complain that you know Monday morning is too late for all of this, and why is it not straight after the last game on a Sunday evening or on the Sunday game on a Sunday night? You'd make far more to it, but everything is so compressed now. You need a little degree of separation. You have to allow last weekend's action, Mayo and Galway, to breathe. If you were suddenly putting Dublin and Mayo into the equation, Mayo Galway is suddenly forgotten about. There's no. There's no reflection on it. There's no analysis of it. Um, it obviously doesn't suit everybody and teams would like to know, but Mayo know already it's a Sunday afternoon fixture. They have, you know, they're going to be given the seven days to to repair. They have to travel up to Dublin, obviously, on a Saturday. They're going to be given an extra day, but there has to be a degree of separation because this championship moves so fast. So we're talking about it Monday morning. It's all the conversation now. I think there's probably a bit of logic, even if, the fixtures are out there and everybody knew what I'm sure counties and team managers already have a fair have a fair indication of of what's coming and when. Yeah, I don't want to wait. I, I think I think sorry, well, I just think just yeah. to, to touch on, on Colin's point, like and we've always sort of said at this stage, let's get through the whole thing, the whole structure first and then see can it be tweaked. I think if you were gonna lob in an extra week to try and stretch it out, I think you know, you could, there's a strong argument between the the, the the preliminaries in the quarterfinal would merit an extra an extra week. As you say, Colin, just allow everything to digest, give a break, because you're into proper knockout uh, territory now. And it would just give give such a profile because you know, these games, Jesus, look at the amount of writing and marketing and exposure potential there is against one of these games, never mind four, and we have to squeeze it all into four or five days. But um yeah, I think maybe that 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 that's something that would, would be better than Dick, the uh, the extra week, as we call it, is being was discussed at the provincial roadshow. There was all the counties were invited to uh, for provincial meetings a couple of weeks back. Where okay. all of this, all of this was discussed, and the extra week did come up. And there obviously will be a lot of counties that will support it. But yeah. I spoke to Kevin O'Donovan that week, uh, who's the Cork Secretary, Cork Chief Chief Executive. And he says the extra week already applied this year. And you can see his logic from his point of view. Mm. They have the biggest schedule. Jewel Jewel County, obviously a big Jewel County. And his point is, you know, we already are stretched. We can't afford another week. So you have to listen to their point of view as well on the discussion around an extra week. And the question he puts about all of this is, do you want to be playing the majority of players playing uh, as daylight uh, daylight decreases and you're playing under floodlights and on wet pitches so you want your the majority of your players at least playing at some stage in the summer and if you move it an extra week they're pushing everything back and they have a very complex championship with so many with so many clubs so there is another side to that argument yeah, that you have to respect there always is, there always is yeah. yeah so we've got a male then calling the, the massive game in Salt Hill yesterday I know you were there like at half time 8 points to 3 Galway looked in a good position but 15 minutes after half time, it had been turned on its head. Like, why do you think Mayo were able to wrestle back that momentum and ultimately kick on and win the game? One simple word, or perhaps two, well, the wind. Uh, Salt Hill, <laughs> the notorious wind that blows through Salt Hill. It's like no other ground. If you were ranking wind venues, you'd have it at the top every time. And it really, it can spoil a game, but it also defines a game. Galway did not, for the strength of the wind, they did not go in with a sufficient cushion there. They, five points was enough for Mayo to go out and attack them straight away. They left a lot of scores out there in the first half. Obviously, Shane Walsh with four wides. 
Um, had they be even seven, eight, it's a bit more of a stretch for Mayo to really get at. And obviously the goal, the goal was pivotal, scored by a really progressive fullback. Um, and once that went in, 43, 44 minutes, that was the mall, the momentum was with Mayo. I thought they made very hard work of it after that. I thought Galway played some of their best football when their backs were to the wall. And some of their some of their players around the middle third, Paul Conroy and Peter Cook and uh uh, John Maher, really Killian McDade, really drove them and asked a lot of questions of a Mayo team that had the advantage of that those elements to their back. But it really does, it really can influence a game. Uh, it really can in Salt Hill when the wind blows as hard as it did and Galway were never ahead by enough at half time. Dick, what was your perspective yeah. on the second half? Would you agree with Colin? Ah, yeah, and then it, it, it was it was funny. There was ones on the radio. Um, my dad landed the house, and he was listening to the radio, and <laughs> made no reference to the wind. Whereas actually, you know, watching on the on the on on the TV, it was obvious. And having been there a few times myself, playing and watching, it is. And, and listen, I, I think Parik Joyce. I'd say he's just going to have a winter of of regret in the case of what might have been. I I got the sense that they were sort of building something over the year, and and what. Just when you look back of the last two weeks, it, it, it seems that between injuries and, and players that you are expecting to come up to their milk and, and hit form at the right time as the ground hardened, the likes of Shane Walsh, Kilmey did, boys like that, just didn't. And 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 it just was the difference. Like when you when you think of the fine margins uh, between the two teams, like and, and and I know he's coming under criticism, and that's listen. That's what comes with being one of the top top players in, in the country. Shane Walsh just had a very, not just an off day, a very very off day, and and that's going to be really tough uh, for him and for the Galway fans and 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 Porrick Joyce because he, he just know that they've left an opportunity behind them because they were they are and were a better team than they've showed not just yesterday but even going back to Carrick and Shannon when they left that they probably as we said last week in the podcast they shouldn't have been in that position yesterday nor should have Mayo and one team was really going to suffer and and that's Galway and and I think listen it's it's took a shot in the arm because it's taken out a, a big team for all the other uh, sort of pretenders uh, next weekend, and so I think Park Joyce it'll be it'll be a tough winter for them because they were building something, and now they have to not start again. They're going to be coming into twenty twenty four very strong. I say the young panel, but they're 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 out of the picture, and and Mayo have you know they're supercharged again. And, and as I said that last weekend, whatever team comes out of Galway or come out of Salt Hill. They are right back up there because of the bounce that they're getting, the positivity, and you could see that in the Mayo players. You could see that in Kevin McStay's reaction post post match. He, he knew uh, the cliff edge that they were on, but now they've been pulling themselves back. They're they're right back in the picture. Colin, you mentioned Shane Walsh. There wasn't just enough enough day, Dick. It, it was, was it's been, a, it's been an be off honest, season, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, uh, he yeah, was late yeah, back. We're hoping, yeah. The league, and you're always waiting for him to go through a gap. He never w- really went for a gap. He a couple of big moments against Tyrone and uh, moments here and there, but it, yeah, he has set very high standards for himself after last year when people felt, well, finally he has realized the talent that he has. But slow back after the league went away, obviously, after the Kilmacud win in the All Ireland yeah. Club Championship. He wasn't back till late. The season was already up and running and you always felt he was playing catch-up after that. And there'll be inevitable comparisons with David Clifford who is having another extraordinary season so far. Um, and those comparisons, because of last year's All-Ireland final, will, will, will be there. 
And they are high standards that have been set for him. And obviously Clifford and Clifford lives up to them almost every day he goes out. So it's difficult. But I also would factor in Damien Comer was off the pitch for the second half yesterday as well. Uh, such a focal point. You can throw any ball in at Damien Comer. Yesterday proved it. When they had the win, they banged it into him over the top. They did a lot of damage over the top. He could have had a goal uh, at one stage, a snapshot that Colin Reap saved, but he did a lot of damage there. And had they him in the second half, I feel they just might have got over the line. Maybe now Mayo would have pushed on to go and win it and they would have expanded a bit more you know, with the back end of that win than you know, only, only five points behind when Comer had been on the field. But I just feel he brings... He brings an edge and an ability to win ball that few other players can can do. And ball generally inside will stick when Comer is there. So, uh, yeah. big loss. And obviously, Sean Kelly, who's a huge leader for, for Galway. Yeah. He didn't look right walking around. No, or didn't, walking, didn't. Running around the pitch. He was walking some of them. But he didn't just look at his ease. Yeah, he made some timely interventions attacking. But the player that he is, and we know he is, he just... But it was... Obviously, Galway felt it was important for him to be on the field. And he was he was... You know, he was only a percentage of fitness, shall we say. And still nearly, like, and it's just, just the small margins, I'd say, Park Joyce, going back to that, like, you wrapped, you wrapped the impact of, of, you mentioned three players, so Walsh, Comer, Sean Kelly, and let's, let's be fair, Killian McDade just didn't get up to the heights of last year. Like, he was a colossus for Galway in, in, the, in, in the latter stages last year and just wasn't able to get up to those heights again. Probably struggled to find what, what was his best position. You know, one point, they lost be a point, and you wrap up the, the 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 collective impact of those four players that were arguably between injuries, and one thing and another, you know, 20, 30, 40% back on last year. And, and that is ultimately the difference. And we've said that. We've said that with the new season, you know, between getting form and injuries is, is going to have a big side impact and being able to keep your best players out on the pitch is, is, is going to bring things down to the wire. And then just Galway, unfortunately, couldn't, even with the panel that they had. Yeah, and you go back to Carrick and Shannon and those yeah. sliding doors when Tyrone, nobody would have expected Westmead to latch on to the coattails of Tyrone in, in, in Breffney Park and Galway just didn't manage those last few minutes very well and it changed everything because had they two weeks going into an All-Ireland oh. quarterfinal this weekend, Comer and Kelly get two weeks yeah. to be to write themselves. Kelly was almost there, obviously, yeah. Another week, you imagine what another week does for him, does for Comer, and they're fresh going in. It's a completely, it's it, it in those couple of minutes at the end of last Sunday, changed everything, really did that's change it. the complexion of the all that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Dick, and we, like we were calling Mayo the big losers last Monday, Dick, after you know how it broke for them. Now you could probably say they've had the two most impressive victories of the championship, beating Galway and then beating Kerry, you know, about a month or so ago and beating them pretty comprehensively. Are they now right back up at the top of the contenders list? But obviously drawing Dublin now, that shows, you know, the, the kind of the punishment of getting into the preliminary. They, they didn't have a, a good quarterfinal draw now. Like, where do you kind of put them in the, in the pecking order? Uh, absolutely. And, and I said this, like whoever came out of Galway or Salt Hill yesterday was going to be right up there. If Galway had edged it, even with all that, they'd have been right back up there. But the problem is it came at the expense of one top team. So Galway or Mayo, 100%, they're back up there. And and as well, looking how Cork have done, you know, we sort of, we sort of um, give, give Mayo a hard time because we felt they should have really comfortably beaten a Cork team, which, you know, we, we, we were just thinking we're coming out of nowhere. But the more Cork play, the more substance there is around them. And I suppose you have to give Mayo, a, a, it's not a bit of a pass, but 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 
weigh that defeat to Cork in a different light. Now the fact that Cork have gone on and followed that up with an impressive win against Roscommon that it shows that they're a real team. And so so Mayo's really only, only dip, if you've ever been honest, this year is that sort of last 10, 15 minutes against Cork. Uh, that aside, they've been probably one of the most consistent and impressive counties through the league, through the championship uh, this year. And uh, yeah, they, 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 they dipped out of Connacht, but that didn't really phase them. They bounced back immediately from that. And, you know, as Kevin McSay, they're building a panel. Um, they're going to need it still because they're still only at the quarterfinal stage. But listen, they're finding players. There's there's look at young David O'Brien, Mick, sorry, Mick Bryan, popped up yesterday, a new name on, on the lips of Mayo supporters and everyone around is trying to sort of catch up with, with all these new faces of Mayo that are all adding value and the older players playing. So 100%. And they're probably getting, and we'll get to the, the quarterfinals in a minute, they're probably getting Dublin at the right time, I would say, if, the, if they're going to take Dublin out because Dublin still have a bit to go. You know, they haven't done enough, I feel, against good opposition to be really sure of where they're at. Whereas Mayo, like, and they've, they've played Kerry, beaten Kerry well, they've played Galway uh, away and, 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 and beaten them. So they've, they've enough credit in the bank to be a wee bit more sure about them. But as the old saying goes, can you ever trust Mayo? And that's, that's the problem with them, you know? And the other factor is, Dick, I'd say of all eight quarterfinalists, Mayo are probably most uncertain about what their starting team are. Mm. To a degree, Dublin are too, because obviously there's the Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion factor that they're they're not quite they've they've been they've been in and out of the team a little bit. McCaffrey's obviously hasn't been fully fit all of the time. But with Mayo, four personnel changes yesterday. Kevin McLaughlin and Jason Doherty. Kevin McLaughlin comes back in for his first start since last year, first championship start. Mm-hmm. You've Connor Loftus, who was the pivot and very much part of the new management's thinking to put him at number six from the very outset of the season and uh, let him open up to the field with his kicking ability. Uh, that was ditched in Galway yesterday. Uh, they won't say they reverted the type, but they went back to a different system. Connor Loftus didn't even come on. So from being the pivotal defensive linchpin, shall we say, at centre back. He, he doesn't feature at all. So a lot of changes in the Mayo team and a lot of, you know, Matthew Ruan has dropped yesterday. I found that surprising. He didn't have a very good game against Cork and he probably dipped a little bit against Loud too, for sure. But he was very good against Kerry and he seems to play well against some of the better teams. Obviously, didn't go great in the All-Ireland Final in 2021. But I, I would have felt that's a that's a bit of a surprise. That's a bit. So I would expect him, I think, to come to come back in. You don't really know uh, will Killian O'Connor feature? He's back in the mix here as well. So of all the teams, I think Mayo are league champions and they've come through, you know, tough qualifier with Kerry and now Galway. And yet, what is their best team? That's a that's a real conundrum this week. It it is a bit, but it it's a very good way for a panel. Once it's managed right, and this is where Kevin McStay is so pivotal, that you when you have a really competitive panel, that the boys when they're going to train, they're playing games, no that there's, there's nobody is certain of their starting place. Every jersey has to be earned. Sometimes that is the case, but managers uh, buckle. They, 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 they sort of bow to the more experienced players and they're afraid to make the big calls and they keep rolling out players. Kevin McStay has shown he's, 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 that that's not what he's about. He's, he's playing the best players and if you're not, and that keeps everyone on their toes. So like, you know, Matthew Rand, like what a guy to bring on the bench if, if, he, if he's not starting. But equally, 
he'll be pushing you know the likes of as you mentioned McLaughlin and Doherty they came back in to get the start they'll know that there's there's you know any dip at all even 20-25 minutes in the game against Dublin if they're not you know the work rate's not there there's five or six boys there to come in and take their place so that's a really good way to have a panel to keep everybody chomping at the bit and keep you know everyone pushing everyone once it's managed right and by all accounts it looks like Kevin McSay has got it right so far of course you look at Derry which is the complete opposite Derry yeah. have such a limit you, you just know straight away 14 of the der- of the 15 Derry starters every time there might be there might be one floating position around attack and they've used so few players I find it staggering they went through the Ulster final uh, over a hundred minutes, almost a hundred minutes, and they used eighteen players. That's the other side of the coin. And I just wonder that as the games intensify, will that catch Derry out? Because one to fifteen, they are as strong as as any team really that's left in it. The way they have set themselves up, but beyond that, you wonder can they sustain it? Yeah, no, I wouldn't disagree with that. Put Mon in that bracket as well just with a, a thin panel in terms of, of quality yeah. and as I say and you're, you're talking now you have to talk about teams not winning a game it's winning three games have you enough there to get you through the three games to to have have matches that you're only going to have maybe sort of eight or nine performers you know giving you eight or nine out of ten and so, to be able to slot players in to bring it up to the level that's where you know it, it, it plays out and uh, as I say that's where these teams can struggle but you listen that's that, they'll not worry about that everyone's just looking at the, the next game as they say and uh, everyone and that's the great thing about this weekend everyone will think every team will think that they're going into the weekend now that they can win the game you know and there's been plenty of quarterfinals even in the old structures if you remember back those teams sort of fumbled through the qualifiers and stuff and you just knew that there was going to be a hockey match in some of these uh, quarterfinals and there was only one or two of them were good. All of these four games, you know, have, you know, it'd be a good one to to, to call them, you know. So actually all Ireland champions have lost more at quarterfinal stage <laughs> you know. than at, at, at any other stage. Yeah, you know, you remember yeah. back, Donny Gall got a hammering from, right, from Mayo, Mayo in 2013, yeah. 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 And That's in right. 2011, Cork were taken out by Mayo and even Kerry Kerry have lost quarterfinals to uh, they've lost they lost a down in 2010. So it is right. it is a stage of the competition where you can you know there what you expect doesn't always manifest. If you remember the 2009 Kerry the uh, Kerry in Dublin uh, yeah. quarterfinal on Bank right. Holiday, nobody right. saw that Kerry performance coming as much as they didn't see such a poor Dublin quarterfinal performance coming either. So strange things can happen. Yeah. Must, and that's yeah. the last that's the last quarter final that Dublin have lost. I think they've been in the semi-finals every year since, which is what 13, 13 years maybe. So it would be a big a big kind of scalp if Mayo took them out at this stage. Dick, it, we haven't touched on Monaghan yet. I'm sure you was eagerly waiting for us to to circle back to that. Like I know you don't like when people say, Oh, the great escape from Monaghan, but you know, they beat Toronto the last a last yeah. second. They beat Calair last second. They got a draw against Derry the last second. There is this unbelievable spirit about them that everyone buys yeah. into. It was great. It was great again to see them write another chapter in, in that lengthy storybook. Yeah, it, whatever. But other, other years, this year alone, as you say, you reel them off, and it was, it was, it was, and and I'd say for for Monaghan people in Tullamore, and, and not to overstate it, it was a it was a very historic day and and more so with the minors. Like I, I know sometimes the minor football sort of is a sort of a an afterthought, but like it at the end of the day, you know, Monaghan beat Kerry in an all Ireland semi final. That's the first time a Monaghan team have beaten Kerry in championship football at any grade in the history of the association. Like that's that's a massive milestone for the county. Um 
we were talking in Monaghan a minute, trying to build build something to, to win all Ireland's, and you need to start doing that at, at the underage levels and, and competing and believing. So it was a massive shot in the arm for the county and the senior team going in because Kel, I would have been actually tipping if I was been honest. I would have been tipping Kildare. I would have I, I, I was I wasn't confident about the senior team because I, I know they're they're sort of a very thin panel and the the, 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 the older players there that you just don't know what you're going to get because of that happens but yet in the second game the older players stepped up again which you can't always count on at this time of the year because you know the energy levels and all the rest and it was just no it wasn't a great game let's be honest from from if you've been completely objective there's a lot of poor play by both teams it was hard to watch i would put more of that down to kildare i think kildare were far too defensive they played 15 men behind the ball i didn't know why Gave the ball to Monaghan for long periods of the time, and when but we get when Kildare had the ball, they were far more efficient, they looked far more dangerous, they just didn't have the ball long enough. And then when the game was there to be won in the last sort of four or five minutes, it was Monaghan that took the game to, to Kildare, and, and on that basis alone, they deserved it because they were pushing for the win. And yeah, Glenn Ryan was sore about referees, the referee didn't have a good day, and I don't, we don't like to, to criticize, he'll reflect on that. There was a lot of inconsistency. But for both teams, I actually felt up until those maybe last couple of calls, Monaghan were were over on balance or were more harshly treated. So I certainly Glenn Ryan cannot be blaming the referee for that. He he made decisions tactically that cost Kildare. Um I think it's a bit of a cop out to be honest with you blaming the referee in this one. Yeah, Colin, I don't, know how, you can, I don't know how you can Dick, I don't know how you can uh uh, say what? anything that the, uh, that they're what? not a great great escapologist Monaghan because they're doing it consistently. <laughs> if, if you look at how they survived in the in the in the league, if you look at the Galway game in 2021, the last minute kicks from Jack McCarran and Connor McManus for extra time in the win, and last year against Dublin, it's happening. I don't know is there another team that comes up with last minute plays like them to get results. So uh, possibly it, not. It is a trait that follows. All the it time. is. It is. It is probably Dublin. If you were to say like Dublin, you know, when they're at their best, edged out a lot of close games, a lot of in Mayo with 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 sort of scores at the end, and, and took took a game when it was there to be won. They they stepped up and pushed over the line, and Monaghan have done that, and it's a great great trait to have. And again, it's it's, it's just sort of in, embedded in a few of those players now that that and they don't get phased. And I suppose that, that the style of play that they have is awful to watch. Like God, we were sitting in the stand at times, and it was just painful to watch, but. They're comfortable in their own skin. They don't get phased. Uh, you know, they run through the phases and then they, they, they have line breakers and, and finishers and the likes of, of Jack, Conor McCarthy, Carl O'Connell, Darren. You know, and they're just they're biding their time to try and get them into the right position. And when they do, as they've shown time and time again, you can trust them to, to kick, kick those either clutch scores or clutch plays, you know, breaking line, getting a free win in the market. If you actually look at each of Monaghan's scores, over the last 10, 15 minutes, they're all manufactured in a sort of a slightly different way. Um, and and you know, collectively it got them over the line. They didn't have to rely on one player to 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 take them out. Um, it was just a real collective effort, and that's what it has been to date. And and it's what, what the minors was. It was a real collective effort. I don't know if any of you seen it or watched it. So I would have felt the Kerry minor team 
player for player or probably better players in the Monaghan. You could probably imagine all those Kerry Miners probably lording it in midfield for their respective clubs, but they look more like a team of good individuals as the Monaghan team were very structured, very disciplined and played played like a team. And that's what was the difference in the end. And that's probably just Monaghan football at the minute. It's, it's the collective effort that is getting them where they are and they're, they're just a credit. And it was a, Listen, it was, a, it was a hugely proud day uh, for, me, for, for, for everybody associated with Monaghan and it was just a great day. It sets them up with a very, you know, you know, winnable on paper game against Armagh. Yeah. It'll be very, you know, you know, kind of keenly contested. Colin, wh- wh- where, where would you put Tyrone now going into this game against Kerry? It's funny, like part of me when I saw the draw, I thought, oh, maybe Tyrone coming into a bit of form after the weekend. And then I remembered they were a kick of a ball away against Westmead the week before uh, of being dumped out. Would you give them a, a good chance of upsetting Kerry, or, or where do you kind of put them? I can smell the fear in Kerry already. Well, <laughs> I could actually. I could actually get it yesterday in advance of the draw that they were so certain that Tyrone were coming down the tracks. Now, that's Kerry people in general. I think the players will have a different view of this. I think the Kerry players will feel they left 2021 behind them and the events around that. Revenge is a great factor in this. Um, David Clifford was off the pitch for for extra time, if you recall. David, David Morn was off for extra time as well and he had been dominant and Kerry needed him and they don't have him obviously anymore. And the one area where, not one area, but an area where Tyrone are really, really generating strength is through the Con Kilpatrick, Brian Kennedy mm. midfield partnership. They are right up there now and I would have had maybe misgivings about them two years ago. I think they've really improved. They continue to improve and they're right up there with any midfield pairing there. Physical, they are strong. They, you look at Con Kilpatrick's point how he broke through from midfield at the end of the Donegal game last last Sunday. And he's been, last Saturday, he's been a really, really strong player for them. Conor Myler looks to be coming back into a bit of form. If you remember his one-to-one head-to-head with Paddy Clifford in that game two years ago. So there's a lot of variables here. I don't feel Kerry have been going as well, but nothing like this game to illuminate. And they obviously, they beat Loud very convincingly the last day and there looked to be more energy in them. And they probably have had, you know, less path to travel through Munster and and the qualifiers, even though Monaghan knocked Tyrone out early. Um, so I feel, I feel Kerry are coming into this probably at the right time, with that element of revenge from two years ago. If they they know the consequences of losing to Tyrone here, that even last year's All Ireland success will come back into question in some way that there's so much at stake for this that uh, all the chips now are into this basket uh, Derek Hanavan going so well for Tyrone you know you, you, you question who's going to pick Derek Hanavan up and they also have Darren McCurry it was Thomas Sullivan two years ago and he did a great job on on, on Darren McCurry but who picks up Canavan now who really is in superb form here and is also the factor of his brother got a goal Rory Canavan out of spot what does Crow Park bring out in him? So there's a there's a lot of factors pointing in both teams' favours in certain ways. Obviously, Tyrone have they've had a psychological edge at times. Not always. Obviously, Kerry have beaten them in uh, two All Ireland semi finals, 2015 and 2019. And a lot of current Kerry team were uh, were playing that day in 2019, including David Clifford, who always seems to who always seems to play well against them, uh, even even in league. So a lot to obviously a great fixture great fixture first of all hugely competitive but I think Kerry will be really really on edge over this yeah 
There's Jack O'Connor as well, who, you know, I don't think he's ever beaten Toronto in Croke Park. Yeah. And obviously, a long time ago since he played them in Croke Park, but that's like another kind of element that I'm sure he would love to, to kind of write that wrong. Dick, how, how are you kind of looking at the game? Yeah, I sort of half wrote thrown off and I, I still in terms of the All-Ireland I, I, I just don't I think there's still too much ground to make up but at the same time as Colm said they are making that ground up like they are I would have I would have had question marks over their midfield I thought I thought they were sort of you know, they came out of nowhere to win an All-Ireland and I, 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 I just struggled to see but they've improved you know, physically very imposing, like, and and I would almost at this stage I would say they've a better midfield um, than 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 Kerry from what we've seen, who still you know are still probably going to bemoan the, the impact and, and and the presence of David Moore, and so there's that's one area that that Throne can look, and that's a pivotal area in the game at the minute in, the, in terms of our teams now push up and kickouts, and and then you're you're going to have to contest. So I think that's an area that Throne will exploit. The two Canavans, not just one, there's two now. <laughs> and, you know, whatever, but having to manage one Canavan too. And and they're improving. Like Dara, let's be honest, for the last two or three years, he sort of played in, in fits and spurts. And, and, and you know, at times he, he wasn't the most reliable. Now he is becoming that marquee forward. And he's, he's, he's 23 now. And he's probably just, he's probably like a lot of players just needed those two or three years conditioning and playing at the senior level to 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 be able to roll with the punches and, and have the physicality and, and athleticism to to display his skill set. And that's the problem. A lot of young players come in with bags of skill and talent, but they just can't get 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 into the game and and and, and last the pace. He's doing that now and the other boy is coming hot in his heels. The only thing is for Croke Park, you look at the two Canavans and Darren McCurry, that's their three sort of corner forwards marquee forwards can the modern game really sort of rely on that to, when you need the work rate like and that's what that's what won throwing the All-Ireland against the head a couple of years ago just that tenacity that work rate that you know that typical strong spirit that's that's not what those players they will work as hard as they can but those players need their energy for ball in hand and that and I, I just wonder and it'd be interesting to see how the throne management you know deploy their forward line to get that balance right because they're going to need that work rate they're going to need that intensity around the middle to try and stifle Kerry and not let them get the ball into David Clifford and that's call a spade a spade that's what's down to Kerry if Kerry can get him on the ball and let him dictate the play both through scoring and what he contributes to the other players and I think that's that's one of the things that I think gets understated an awful lot and and I'd love to if, if we had better stats in, in Gaelic football you get a sense of what actually David sets up for other players in terms of assists as much as he actually scores. And I'd say you probably find it's nearly par, you know, score for score. You know, they get the ball in his hands one way or another, Kerry win the game. If, if, if Tyrone find a way to you know, starve Kerry of possession or smother Clifford out, don't rule out another Tyrone surprise victory. And uh, as I said, but here, great fixture. Jack O'Connor will have to be sort of relishing the opportunity to get get one back of, 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 of the pain that he suffered. And equally, the the, the, the Kerry players who still are probably sore after that defeat a couple of years ago with the opportunity to turn that on its head against largely the same panel of of Tyrone players. So, you know, for me, it's probably the 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 the, fixed, the, 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 the round of the of the weekend. I know Dublin Mayo's is only intrigued, but I I think I think Kerry and, and Throne, because of the all Ireland credentials that both teams have, um I think that to me that's the fixture of the round, aside from Monaghan and Norma, obviously. 
just the the, the Clifford the Clifford uh, matchup for Tyrone is is obviously interesting. It was McNamee, Ronan McNamee picked him up in the two previous championship games. In the last league games, it's been Padraig Hamsey who's much more likely to be his shadow this time. So that could provide a different dynamic. Hamsey might be just more equipped than McNamee was in those games, I would sense. Yeah. Um, but Clifford always finds a way when he has to. There, there's rarely been a time when he hasn't. Self to be an absolute cracker, as Dick said. The last team to win over the weekend, Dick was Cork, another one point win. It's been an interesting year for the you know, league campaign, you know, pretty disappointing loss to Loud, lost at home to Meath, then lost to Clare in the provincial championships. But you know, after getting that great win over Mayo, they, they backed it up at home and it was a top to turvy game. It came down to Roscommon, you know, kind of fouling the ball at the end, but they got the one point win. Derry, which as the draw, you know, they could have gotten maybe a Dublin potentially, like it's not an easy game by any means, but it's probably one they go in thinking they might be able to win. Yeah, and a, and a tough one for Derry. There's a bit of an unknown there because they're coming as a team. They'll be looking at players and 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 listen. Who who are these guys? Who are these guys coming out of of Cork? And and everyone's probably at the same that that they've just sort of announced themselves with with successive uh, impressive victories over the last number of weeks. And that was an impressive win against Roscommon, who, let's be honest, Roscommon were a damn good team. And they'll be very disappointed they lost that. And they'll take great heart. And it was great, you know, whatever but the game, it was great to see the, the Cork supporters come out and, and cheer them on. There was a great atmosphere in Parky Key, which which is not what the, the footballers get. And I've said it often enough. And it's great to see. And, and, and that will build now because it's the only Cork team left them to support so I'm expecting them to come up the road and to be a great atmosphere and it's a credit to John Cleary and as I say we know there's talent and it's a truism because they're coming through at underage level but as I said a couple of weeks ago what Cork needs and what this panel players they need games they need consistency they need momentum that they're getting experience they're getting confidence you're getting players that you know I always say when they used to say to, to, to young players when they're coming through in Monaghan, I says, you know, stick around long enough and you'll get your opportunity. And next thing you'll put in a big performance in a championship game that almost locks you in. I remember Drew Wiley, and, and I'm going off on a tangent. Drew Wiley was knocking around in the Parliament panel for two or three years and he was sort of in and out and he could have been a lot of players that drifted away. And then we played down in 2011. We were beaten in in, in the Ulster semi final. We threw away a big lead, but Drew was outstanding. And that game locked Drew in. A county panel for the next ten years, and 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 that's what the last couple of games will have done for some of these Cork. They they're, they're not just a bench player, they're not just a panel player, they're now a championship player, and they're locking that in, and they're bringing on to the next game. And whether they get through Derry or not, they'll be back again next year, and that's what the new structure has done. It's given that panel players an opportunity to build something, and they're going up, and they will have no fear, absolutely no fear, because you know whatever, but you know inferiority complex Cork people don't that no fear of Derry. And, and, and as the makings of a really intriguing contest because it'll be a difficult one for, for Cork to unpick because Derry have a very structured approach. But again, like like all the games, great intrigue and, and I wouldn't just be you know too quick to call that one either. Yeah, it's the first championship meeting between the teams since the 1993 All-Ireland Final as well. So there's not a, any yeah. recent form lines to go off in terms of you know previous meetings. Obviously, they would have played in the league. Yeah. Yeah, we'll play in the league league this year. Um, Colin, we might finish up as quickly on the on the Tottenham Cup. Obviously, the semi-finals were played uh, on Sunday. Obviously, the Galway Mayo game over overshadowed them. But you know, Mead Antrim was a very competitive game. Mead winning by a couple of points. Obviously, substantially less so. And down leash like down eight sixteen to two twelve is a you know unusual scoreline to say the least in Gaelic football. What did you make of the the semi-finals? Uh, well, I saw the second half of the Calvin Down game the previous week. And I was really impressed with the pace and counter-attacking of 
of Down. I think they've they've made significant progress. Obviously, Meath and Down met in the last round um, of their group game in Parnell Park, but Parnell Park is such a different playing experience than Croke Park, and I feel Down really came alive yesterday in Croke in Croke Park, and they have been building something obviously through Conor Laverty. The big thing is their pace, Liam Fair, the Johnsons, really, really quick players. And then they've Oren Murdoch off their under-20 team as well. Uh, he plays midfield, but he drifts into full forward. He's a big mm-hmm. player, but he makes yeah, great yeah. decisions. He's really skillful for a big man, really skillful. Intelligence of his decisions. He just plays ball. He gifts players around him the ball in a way that you're just not expecting. I think he's a real bonus this year down in the, in, the, in the championship obviously he was playing with them sporadically during the he played with them during the league as well um, but obviously there was a focus on the under 20s but since then he's really he's really pushed on in this Tajik Cup and I felt Mead had a lot to do they had to hold their nerve down the home straight they were they were seven or eight points up and uh, they had to hold their nerve against a well-organised Antrim, Antrim team I really only saw the first half of that game and it looked a really poor standard I have to say I haven't seen Mead play Wexford the week before. They were a lot better, but you have to factor in the opposition here. I think Down will have the upper hand here because of that pace. But I think it's a good way for Mead to go in. And the extra three weeks will really, it'll really keep keep those two teams together for another three weeks will be invaluable when it comes to next year as well. Um, They both bring a bit of pace and mobility, but I think Downs is probably, I feel Downs just will have that greater edge. Hmm. Are, are down a coming team in Ulster, do you think? You know, getting Conor Laverty in and, and the Kilku players maybe back more involved than they would have been previously? Yeah, well, that, that was, was needed in down. Like a lot of the, the big counties and, and Derry before them who, who weren't able to knit together a county setup. That's that's what they had to do. They had to have talent like down as a massively passionate football county with, with great clubs, but they just weren't coming together. And there was a an angst around Kilku and, and, and Ferris O'Connor's. Uh, knitted that together and there is that young talent coming through as well and, and they're playing with pace and a bit of that, that down swagger you could see the way they were throwing the ball around against Leash in, in, in the game and they really enjoyed themselves now it's hard to really gauge like Leash it was, it was fairly feeble stuff now from them in terms of defence um, but that being said like going back like had a big win against Donegal in the championship Um it was a bad day against Armagh. They could have possibly turned Armagh over in the semi-final a better day. I think they look like players that 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 like a dry ball, that they like Crow Park, they like the space. Um, the Kilku boys that have been up there and not afraid to express themselves in Crow Park. And and again, whoever comes out of it will rightly play in the All-Ireland series next year. I think that's the, the good thing about the new system. I think there's a, a reward and a recognition of, of, of that journey, but also like down... You know, albeit against maybe lesser opposition, certainly don't look like a team that would be out of place in the company that we've seen at the at the top tier over the last three and four weeks. And they'll rightly, whoever comes out of it will rightly take their place there. So I think it's a great shot in the arm, nice traditional feel, down Meath final in Croke Park. And again, it's a great, another great year two for, for the Talston Cup. Yeah, well, an interesting game to look forward to in a few weeks. In the meantime, we have those cracking quarterfinals next weekend. But for the moment, I'd like to thank Dick and Colin for joining me on this week's episode of the Throne Football Show. We'll be back next week with another episode looking back on the last eight. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.